pigeonhole. I'm a night out, it's a different mode. I'ma have to make a paint of six on a pinky toe. Heard you with a shooting guard, just let it know. I would have you courtside. All right, back here on the sports grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. 877-37-GRIND is your number to participate. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios, and today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. All right, so keeping it moving. What do you got? Oh, I thought you were going to add something. Okay, keeping it moving, and we'll circle back around to the NBA before we get, but let's talk about the draft. Uh, let's talk about the draft and uh, some of the doings that took place. Because I've always preached this that I believe, yes, the first round is what sells tickets. That's what gets all the viewerships, get people excited in the second. But when you really get round three through six, that's really where, you know, your depth and the meat of your team uh, is. It can sink. It can make or break you. OK, it really can. I mean, there's and, and look, there's teams I've paid attention to, especially a team of the root and interest that I have in mind that I can tell you. And, and you could be one of those teams that are winning. But if you have a scouting department or a GM or a front office that basically just because everything's going good and you just look at these like, oh, well, let's take that trance on him. Let's do this. When you miss on picks, eventually in them three to six rounds, like third to six rounds, it's going to show up. It might not show up right away, but it will show up years, a couple years later. Two or three, like, yeah, that draft we didn't really do good. So I always say that that's the meat of the potatoes right there in that particular sense. Now, with that said, let's take a gander. Of course, let's start with the team that most people in this region have interest in, and let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys, okay, and look at what they basically did. Now, we talked about it when we came in here Friday about uh, Mozzie Smith, um, I told you, me particularly with this particular individual, I think, of course, he has a lot of upside. Um, you know, anytime you're talking about a guy that's six foot three, 323, uh, that kind of can move from side to side like he can. But he's from the experts that really break this stuff down and really follow and scout these kids you're around. I've had a few couple of people that I've heard that said that, hey, he has a motor that's not always going. You know, and again, this is why you have the NFL and some of these coaches get paid what they do is to go ahead and coach up guys and get the full of their potential in regards to guys like this. Now, what I was complaining about Thursday, or excuse me, Friday when we came in here, um, they pretty much handled it in the second round uh, with their pick number 27th overall second round. Uh, they went with Luke Shoemaker, which is the tight end out of Michigan, which he had. He was one of these tight ends. You know, I don't think he's as good as the kid from Notre Dame. I don't think he's uh, he's he's probably right there. I mean, he could probably be uh, I'm trying to think I'm going to put him ahead of the Utah kid. I might put him ahead of the Utah kid. But what they did is they at least addressed the sec the tight end the second round. And I've been telling you all that this I felt personally, and I guess they did, too, that, you know, post Jason Witten, it's been a revolving door. And really, this is a franchise that has had some stability over the decades in different terms and stuff like that that's had consistent tight end play and a cornerstone, which is a tight end. And I think Shoemaker has an opportunity to go and do that. Um, after that, you know, inside linebacker, defensive end, offensive tackle, cornerback, running back, wide receiver. Um, so what I pose my question, who are they catering more to? to build around Micah and his talents on that side of the ball or continue to see how we can improve Dak Prescott and make things easier on him. Position wise. I mean, they took an offensive tackle. That's with Dak and a receiver. 
and a tight end. And a running back. So and a running back. Feeding well, the, that running game, which helps you know the passing game, of course. Well, the Deuce Vaughn situation is like one of those knee, you know, tear jerkers. You know, people didn't see, you know, which I when I looked at it and I was couldn't where I was at didn't have the sound, and I was looking at the war room of Dallas and I was looking like, why are they getting emotional? Why is this guy getting emotional? It's like it has to be somebody they drafted his son, and of course one of their personnel's, I think he's a scout or something, works for Dallas. He's Deuce Vaughn's son, which a uh, father, excuse me, which is Deuce Vaughn. He played for Kansas State. Um, and I think besides of the nice feel-good story, uh, getting the opportunity to make the phone call and tell your son he's been drafted, you're going to come work with, work with us and get a chance to work with your dad. I mean, that's one in a million. But I think really if you look at it, I mean, it's a decent pick, especially where they got him at. I mean, they got him in the sixth round. I mean, because I think when you look at the situation of the decision that had to make with Zeke and then you look at Pollard, which is, again, coming from being cut on and we don't know. Exactly, because I'm hearing mixed reports on that injury with Pollard. We don't know exactly what his his you know availability is going to be, how how cautious they're going to be with them, and really to see if he loses anything after suffering this injury. Um, it's definitely an insurance policy, and I think it's also a guy that you know he's not built to carry. 25 to 30 times a game, which most of these backs aren't, and they're not used that way. He is a guy that can, you know, when the opportunity can have one to take it to the house. Now, I don't think he's explosive as Pollard. He doesn't have the speed as Pollard, but he's still another one of those, you know, quote unquote scat backs that can kind of take it to the crib when he gets an opportunity and he can catch the ball out of the backfield, you know, which I've been telling you that I think is important with all backs. So overall, I don't think there was nothing that Dallas did that was really a head scratcher. Or pretty much that I haven't really got a chance to check out most of the experts' grades. You know, they come out with grades. They try to grade every franchise. And, and again, it's all opinions, you know. Uh, but I haven't really seen anybody kill their draft. But they really didn't do anything head-scratcher-wise. And I know uh, you were telling me if we look at two in the third round, them getting uh, overshone, uh, the defensive guy from Texas, Right. Oh yeah, I mean Demarvion, Agent O, um, Agent O. He's he's a hard hitter, dude. A hard hitter, uh, a nose for the ball on the defensive side, inside linebacker, and, and that's gonna that's gonna. And I feel like that's a position of need too. They brought back Vanderesh, um, but he's had health concerns. So how can you um, how can you kind of work in that athleticism? And by having another you know heat seeking missile, in my opinion. Um, you know, that allows you to do a little bit more with Micah even, you know. So, uh, I, I really liked, you know, and that, those are two big 12 talents um, when you speak of Deuce Vaughn, too. And uh, Deuce Vaughn, man, 5'5", five, five, but he's a punisher, and he just has a nose for the end zone. It's awesome. I mean, I, th- those are probably my two standouts um, when you look at the whole draft. And, of course... Uh, you know, one on each side of the ball there, but I, I really like it. Um, you know, uh, listeners back in San Antonio, you know, would remember uh, Overshone for his hit on Frank Harris, right? You know, which it, you look back, it's was it clean, was it not? But you know, technique is there. I will tell you this: when I look at him, when I look at their draft board right now, I would tell you the two that I think that are probably going to end up being the most impressive when you look back at this draft is going to be, in my opinion, Luke Shoemaker that they took uh shoemaker excuse me that they took at number 27 in the second round and it's also going to be the kid out of san jose state uh the defensive end 
uh, don't want to butcher his name, but I've seen a lot of uh, San Jose State uh, football late at night on a Saturday, uh, and this kid has a motor, and he can play. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> playing at San Jose State, you're not going to be on national television that much. But I think if you look at value and you look at who they've gotten, in my opinion, um, you know, I, you know, I see Jalen Brooks from South Carolina, which is a wide receiver they took. But I think it's really going to come down to the tight end and uh, this kid they took from San Jose State, um, where they took him. That's that's my opinion. And and again, you really, you know, for most parts, when you have a draft and you say, let's see, they had a total of uh, one, two, three, four, five. They had a total of what seven picks, I think it was. Um, or maybe more than that. Let me see. They had one, two, three, four, five, I've got eight six, by seven, my eight. Count. There you go. Eight picks. You really, I mean, you really want to try to really hit on at least three out of those eight. And when I say hit on those, I mean guys that are going to have their fifth year option picked up, which we didn't even. I I wanted that on the docket today. We'll probably go into that tomorrow because I know the day and tomorrow thinks the deadline for teams to make the decision on a lot of these guys' fifth year options and some of that stuff is leaking out as we speak. But we'll get more into that tomorrow. But that's really what you're looking for from a draft class. Um, you very rarely gonna hit. Uh, you know, even rounds one through four or five. If you just take the first five rounds, just take the first four. It's very rarely you're going to hit on all. F- if you've got a if you've got a pick in every round, it is very rare that you're going to pick hit on all your picks round one through four. I mean, some of the best GMs that have done it haven't really done that before. You know, I mean, that's that's I mean, to me, <laughs> when you look at it and that's a little bit before my time when I was younger. But if you go back to some of those, you know, 70s Steeler teams that were drafted that are guys in the Hall of Fame. But even if you go back to something sooner, kind of in my era and my kind of growing up and paying attention to what's this and that, it just goes. To, it, it Always when I look at drafts, it brings me back to that Ozzie Newsom draft. Ray Lewis. And Ogden, the offensive, both of them Hall of Fame, both of them same draft. And if I'm not mistaken, that was Ozzy's like first draft, first or second. That was his cornerstones. And you really drafted two Hall of Famers that went on to help the Baltimore Ravens win a title. Uh, They actually won two titles. That's pretty impressive. You know, uh, it's pretty impressive. So that's kind of what I look for in draft. And usually drafts, man, you it takes about two to three years to really gr- thoroughly, properly grade a draft. You have to really give three years to really see, you know, what that rookie turns into by the time he's going into his fourth to really know, like, hey, we missed or we got a hold of something. The Texans, on the other hand, uh, we talked on about them because they made a power move. We talked about that on Friday, what they did with the number two and three pick. Uh, but I think as you go forward uh, with the Texans, you know, for D'Amico Ryans and being his first draft uh, with the Texans, and really this is the one that you have to really, you know, kind of key in on when it's your first one because this is the one that most people especially signature players and doing those type of moves again it was more capital than i thought they would be willing to give up to move up to get to number four where they did uh to or excuse me to number three but if you're talking about getting the two cornerstones of your franchise as your quarterback and a defensive player you can't really sneeze at that 
Um, also, if you look at the Texans, they go out and get a center, Juice Struggs from Penn State with their second-round pick. Um, then they'll go ahead and get uh, – who else they got? They picked up a wide receiver, Nathaniel Dale out of Houston. Um, you know, so the Texans – look, it comes down to where me personally um, – it's going to be interesting, with, especially with all these quarterbacks have drafted. But it's going to be interesting with me, with the, first, the ones that went in the first three or four picks, on which one of these guys are really playing from jump. I think it's safe to say Bryce Young's going to start for Carolina week one. I think out of all the t- quarterbacks taken, I believe he's going to the one team that has – Probably the best of that going by what we saw last. Though, if you take the last pretty much last year, just going off of that, not what's on paper, not who has the most money spent in a certain position. But if you ask me, I think Carolina has the best offensive line out of those young quarterbacks where they're going that went in the first round. That's number one, the reason why I believe that he's going to start from jump. When you look at the Texans, you know, you have Mills. Did they sign somebody else in free agency? Yeah, they added Keenum. They brought Case, Case Keenum That's back. right. That's right. They brought Case, and you put Stroud in. Um, I would say 50-50 on that one, man. I would say 50-50 if, Stroud, if they start with Stroud and just let the learning process begin. Or, um, and I believe if you are going to not go with Stroud, that I think you still running back with Mills to let him continue. I think Case Keenum is just a veteran. You need a veteran guy in a quarterback room. You know, Mills still got milk on his tongue. Then you draft Stroud, and if you go pick, you need some guy. You need at least one veteran guy to pick, and especially if you have a young a rookie head coach. And pretty, and this this Texan staff is pretty young, from what I can tell. This is a young coaching staff. I don't know how much experience is mixed in there, but when you have a young coaching staff, especially on offense, you need a veteran guy in the quarterback room. And I think that has a lot to do with Case Keenan. But I think if they don't start Stroud, they would go with Mills. But for the most part, I think the Texans did a good job. Now, me overall in drafts, just in general, I just think the obvious is the obvious. And and I talk, and if you missed the show on Friday, go check the podcast out, sportsgroundonline.com. But I, I said this on Friday's show, and I'll repeat it again. There are three franchises that the rest of the teams are chasing. And that is Kansas City, San Francisco 49ers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. The the Eagles have really, really, like, hammered the last two drafts. Now, you can sit there and say, well, how the hell you screw that up on the picks they had from the trade? How do you screw that up? Well, you can. But I got a chance to see how E. Roseman do an interview on during the third round on Saturday, uh, third and fourth round. And, of course, he was asked the question about the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, your whole taking Georgia, you've got five, you know, defensive starters out of the last two years at Georgia going back to last year, this and that. And, you know, he explained it. And it was, again, it goes back to kind of like I said Friday. It's something so simple that you think of, like, why didn't I think of, like, like he said, he's like, look, when you're coming with a transition from the NFL and you get dragged, he goes, and you move into a new city and you're young. What's the first thing that makes you feel comfortable when you come into a situation where you can 
go to somebody that you trust, that you've been around for the last three or four years. You can sit there and say, hey, what is this city like? What do I do here? Hey, help me out here. So what he's done is he's created a culture from not just basically because you know each other and you played here on the college. So we just go, no, good players, arguably the best defensive team in college football for the last two years. And you pick from there and now you get a culture and a brotherhood that comes in where there's some familiarity to that. And I'll tell you this right now, man, Howie is, he's, he's like, they need a catch. He's cashed in one Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. He's, he's coming for the crown. Like he's got one more that I feel like if he gets with Hurts and this crew, what he drafted, he, in my opinion, I will be putting him up there with the Aussie nuisance of the world. And I don't take and that and 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 I don't throw that around lightly when it comes to GMs and building teams in the NFL. I take a lot of pride into who I praise and who's legit and who's pretenders and who's contenders. But but Howie and the Eagles, man, and I'll tell you this right now. Since they had the big Kool-Aid man Andy Reid on the sideline, and that was some time ago. That was the last time that somebody won this division two years in a row. This draft that they just completed and, and, and you remember where they were at last year with the pass rush, okay? And due to the fact that they have a leader, I'll save that and give that take when I get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor. Are you grind. moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, 
Jonas Clark producing Spinning the One and Twos. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Pendleton Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich, complex flavor. That is Pendleton Whiskey, which is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and an official whiskey of the Professional Pool Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour. And it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind and an official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 87737-GRIND. All right, so back to finish up my Eagles take with Jalen. Due to the fact of where his, where his foundation was laid in Tuscaloosa, um, and what I say about that is, you know, the money I believe is not going to make Jalen comfortable or relaxed. I mean, he kind of talked about it. he felt uncomfortable taking that kind of money. We're going to turn it down, but he just said, "Hey, man, I'm still trying to, you know, finish unfinished business." And I know I talk about the Super Bowl hangover. You know, I kind of, you know, Cincinnati started off that way, who I thought they were last year, but I had to end up apologizing to them because I was wrong with them. They didn't let the really Super Bowl hangover affect them. Uh, and I think because of the leadership of Jalen Hurts and how this team is being built, I don't think it's going to affect and take place with the Eagles, too. As a matter of fact, I think for the first time in over 20-some years, it seems like, that somebody's, they're gonna, they're, somebody's going to win that division back-to-back. And I don't pick divisions this early. I usually don't. I wait till like August, the end of August. But there, there's two divisions that I'm pretty much confident on. The rest I have to wait. But, but the the NFC East, I just feel that you know, and it's really not a disrespect to Dallas. It's just the fact that they got some catching up to do with the way the Eagles organization is ran. Because if you want to be technical. And I always bring this up with the Eagles and Eagles fans will let you know this. If you look at what they've had to go through with the Chip Kelly era, then to, well, first of all, the transition from the Andy Reid era to the Chip Kelly era. And then that was a debacle that lasted only two years. And then from that to go rip that down and then go to the Doug Peterson era and then have that to end the way it did to rip that down and rebuild and basically to go ahead and already have a Super Bowl appearance, not a ring, but a Super Bowl appearance, which would be their, which was their second Super Bowl appearance in four years. Four to five years. That's impressive. That's impressive. Considering why Dallas has still been searching for answers since the 90s. If you really break it down dollar for dollar and move for move, that's why I say Dallas got they, they've got some work to do. I mean, they're they're going about it. OK. But if you if you were at your old local high school track and you were running laps and let's say Dallas was, you know, just running around jogging. The Eagles and went around that track around them like two times. To their Dallas to stop walking, catch their breath, pace too fast. Okay, I'll start running again in a minute. They're doing all that while Philly has passed their ass twice already. I'm very impressed hearing Howie speak. I'm very impressed with the way they did their draft and the way they've gone out their business in the last couple of years and how aggressive they've been 
off the field and free agency and trades and what they've done. I mean, nothing is promised. It's not it's not a guarantee that Jalen Hurts ever gets back to that game in his career. But it's going to be like hell to keep him away. Because for one, it's the NFC and not the AFC. Quarterback position. So I'm very impressed what they did. Pittsburgh, I like what the Steelers did. I told you when we walked out in Friday, what did I say? I said, hey, Porter, the draft starts with Pittsburgh. I said, there's a guy out there that I believe in that pick Pittsburgh's going to go ahead and get. His name is Porter. Now, I didn't. Now, of course, the whole connection with Joey Porter and all that, but I looked at more because Pittsburgh needs secondary help. They've needed secondary help for years, and I think that basically Porter falling to them where they kind of did, I think that's huge. Uh, you know, being able to go ahead and get him the way they at that value. Also, they. I mean, I like what they did in regards to Darnell Washington, their third round pick, ninety third overall, big ass tight end out of Georgia. Now, this guy, his his route running and, you know, to be on Sundays, Thursdays, and Mondays, he needs some work, okay? He wasn't featured that much in Georgia's offensive attack last year, but what he did, he caught some touchdowns. He's a big man. And if there's one thing Pittsburgh can do besides find wide receivers under their cushion, they know how to mold and, and coach up tight ends. Does Heath Miller ring a bell to anybody? Well, don't forget, or, too, they uh, still have Pat Fryer moved over there. I understand that. They, But th this is a big target for Pickett. But I like what they did defensively. Um, there was another defensive guy that they got that I wanted to make sure that I was a note on. Who was it? Was it the defensive? Uh, uh, well, you know, honestly, the kid out of Wisconsin, the outside linebacker, Nick. Nick Herbig? Yeah, he, he's – He's serviceable. But I think Pittsburgh really had a decent, solid draft. But I think when you look at overall, I think Philly killed it, of course, what the Texans did. But I think if you also look at Seattle. I mean, Seattle, I said it on Friday, and I'll continue to say it. I mean, it's one of their best drafts. And, and I'm not talking about this year. The last two years. Their last two years that they've had, because they were drafting awful there for a while. And like I said, sometimes you're going to miss on a lot of picks more than you get right. But for the last two years, going back to last year's draft and this year, you know, Vegas just came out with their division, updated division odds today that I took a gander at. I mean, that gap is closed a little bit between Seattle and 49, and to their eyes, in regards to when you're talking about who are the favorites to win the NFC West next year. But I really like what Seattle did, and to me – you go into a situation with, you know, Geno Smith, your second year. I mean, you're getting Geno at a discounted rate. I mean, if you're Seattle, you just have to hope he can improve on what you saw last year because the team should be better and the talent around him should be better. And I like the fact that they addressed the wide receiver situation again. I mean, I've been – look, the whole thing with Metcalf, Metcalf is who he is. I mean, Tyler Lockett, no disrespect for him, but I've always thought that he was a product of more of what Russ did, the scrambling, the breakdown plays. And I know he caught some – Crucial passes last year from Geno. But at the end of the day, I, I really like what Seattle did as well, too, uh, you know, in the draft. Also, 877-37-GRIND. Also, when you look at the draft, the other news, and I know I've always got Shelby that's checked in with me, Facebook Live, telling me, oh, take your medicine, take your L-Cal for the whole uh, hooker before Levitt situation. 
yeah, the way it looked, I thought Hooker would have probably been the upside. And if I was out to Mandalay Bay, I would have laid a future on Hooker going in that third round before Levitt's or the second round. But he didn't. Uh, you know, Levitt's finds himself at Tennessee. You know, I think Adam Longoria, the basically CEO of uh, uh, Titans congregation here in South Texas, I think he talked himself into this one because he put it on there Friday. And I'm going to stay what I preached all last week. I just I don't get it. I, I want I really wish and I haven't really dived long you know, deep enough. Maybe we'll find somebody that, you know, is connected with Tennessee to bring him on the show to talk to him. But. This Malik Willis stuff is still a head scratch to me. I mean, you know, you take Will Levitt, you can argue the value where you got him. I mean, they got him in the second round. Um, it's obviously to me that Tannehill's situation really would be done. I mean, it's almost if you're Tennessee, you're looking at basically having, you know, unless you end up cutting the guy, and I don't think you are in regards to Malik Willis, and I don't think you can really get anything really for him. So you're looking at bringing Malik back in his second year. You're looking at Levis as a rookie. I mean, are you is is Vrabel going to have an open quarterback competition, or is he going to go ahead and let Ryan Tannehill walk and then basically try to go get another veteran? Which I don't know really the veteran names of who's still out there, really. Uh, but he lands in Tennessee, so definitely they think. It is what Peter King was told, and I told you I think Peter King is golden when he's when he doesn't put things out there. Peter King is old school. He ain't clickbait guy. So for him saying that the building they've kind of given up on Malik, I still got a problem with that. I just think what it comes down to, their GM that's no longer there, that was his pick. And it was in his contract that he probably got final say so. And Vrabel probably, hey, well, you know, whatever. I didn't want you to trade AJ Brown, you did, so have at it. And they put the kid out there, but you can't tell me there's enough sample size to sit there and say, oh, we lost faith in the building. That quarterback situation at Tennessee is going to be very interesting over the years. Um, speaking of other notes, so Hooker, he lands in Detroit. No rush. Gets to sit behind golf. I mean, to be honest with you, if golf puts another season like he did this year, and let's say they do win the North because they're the betting favorites right now to win the NFC North, then you got to talk about golf's due for another contract. Then what are you going to do? I mean, if, if now I'll tell you this right now, Hooker, if he can get healthy and he can recover all the way from this surgery, his upside is more than golf, I believe. If he can understand, if he gets used to the NFL game, the speed of the game, you know, what Campbell and them are trying to do is no, make no mistake about it. Campbell wants to run the ball. I mean, if you look, I mean, they did a trade. They, they, uh, DeAndre Swift went to Philly. Um, right. That's where he went. Yeah. I mean, Philly, I mean, come on now. Philly lost their running back in free agency. Yeah. Sanders. Yeah. So that's was that put them in the play to take on a Swift. But I mean, you go in and spend your 12th pick on a running back and it's one of those situations to where, you know, Gibbs was going to go. I mean, a lot of he gets a lot of comparisons to Alvin Kamara and I can kind of see it. You know, um, I don't know if he's as physical as Alvin Kamara, but the speed, the catch. So they 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 exercise that trade out swift. But when you bring in Hooker, he has a lot of upside, but you don't have to rush him. But this is going to be a very talented Detroit football team and and I think you know they show they could put up points with anybody last year I think what they did in the draft and what they're going to do I think defensively wise they're going to make improvements defensive wise they're going to make improvements um so there you go with that the other part of the draft that had some news okay um Deion Sanders he's been in the news a lot 
right, with Colorado and transfer portals and what's going on with that. Well, he has basically came out and said that he's very ashamed, and I'm quoting him, ashamed of the lack of drafts from the HBCUs. Isaiah Bolden was the only HBCU player selected in the 2023 NFL draft this weekend. Okay. Um, he said, quote, he tweeted this out. He goes, I'm ashamed of 31 other NFL teams that couldn't find draft value in all of the talented HBCU players. And we had three more draft worthy players at Jackson State University. Now, New England Patriots are the one that took this kid. Okay. Now, I know Denver signed his other receiver for undrafted receiver out of Jackson State. I know he signed with Denver as undrafted pre-agent. I don't want to talk about that draft too. I just don't want to get to the don't think we're going to escape about when you hit five when you only got five picks and you go home run with it. I told you go deep, deep, deep. But you must he might have got the steal of the draft in the receiver position. I'll tell you that. Now, the question I have, and we've had this discussion on this show before with HBCUs. Now, let's note this, okay? Back in February, this past February, the NFL held an HBCU combine in February. Okay, now there was 47 players invited to that combine. So out of 47 players invited to this NFL HBCU combine, there was only one drafted. Now, to me, and I haven't nothing has wavered from this belief of mine and what I've always preached on this show for the last, I don't know, 15 years, 10 to 15 years for sure. I don't care what division college brand of football you play or what university you play. If you can play, they're going to find you in the NFL. I've said this all before when we talk about this topic It's like, you know, the days of, you know, back in the seventies and the eighties, hell, even in the early nineties, if you didn't play, if you didn't go to Notre Dame, you didn't go to Michigan, you didn't go to Nebraska, you didn't go to Florida, you didn't, you, you just, there was like, well, I'm not going to make it on Sundays. But I think more than ever in the last 10 or 15 years, that's why you see really the parity besides the transfer portal, NIL, even before that, that's why I think you see more of the parity kind of shaking out here in football. Now, I know when you say that and you look up and it's either Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, you say, what parity, Calvin? That's who the Final Four. Well, no, the, the, it, I mean, it's in this, I've been feeling this prior to the NIL and transfer portal. It's gotten a little bit more where you see these upsets, whether they're in bowl games or whatever, because kids know that they can go anywhere and if they can play, the scouts are going to come and find them. So the reason why I bring this up and we're talking about the HBCU thing is because, you know what, I'm puzzled. I don't know why that's the case. I mean, if, if anything, I would just say it's the stick. And this is the stuff that Dion was trying to fight for when he was at Jackson State, not just for Jackson State, but for the other HBCUs. I just, and it used to not be about this because credit to Pittsburgh, Dante's Pittsburgh Steelers, man, because the Rooney family, they, they were the first ones to start looking at the HBCUs and getting some. You want to know some of them early 70s? Steeler teams that were winning titles with Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, they went over there and started looking at HBCU and black colleges and drafted them there too. So they were, they've always been trendsetters in that. But to me, I have to look at it to where recently, as of late, there's a stigma about HBCUs evidently in the NFL. I don't know what it is. And I think part of it falls on the HBCUs themselves because, again, reality, this comes down to where I've been talking about. 
Not everybody has the same means to compete for and carry a college football program. And there's a lot of H. I mean, I never did touch on the whole Ed Reed situation. We never did get into that this show. I, I mean, I, I was far following it, following it, excuse me, and read about, it, but I just didn't bring it up on on the program just because there was other stuff going on. But I didn't even touch on that. But I will tell you, part of this is kind of what Dion was talking about that the presidents and the athletic directors and even the fan base, it just comes down to what do y'all want to do? Like, I feel like Dion came down there and brought a lot of attention to the HBCUs for from ESPN to everything else. He kept the cameras on. And I think it's up to the rest of the coaches left and the athletic directors to really figure out how are we going to market our schools and how are we going to do better? Whether that means reaching out to I mean, I know Dion was against it, but does that mean reaching out to other universities and scheduling those games in August to get on TV just to get an ass whipping to get exposure? I don't know. But if you have a combine and you have 47 invites and only one drafted, there's something to that. There's something to that. And I do believe that there's good players in the HBCU. And I don't think Dion's got enough attention that he's bringing to himself right now. I don't think this is one of the things over the weekend that Dion wanted to take his time out to interject himself in the National Football League draft. I think he really, truly is upset by this and is pretty much, you know, pretty much probably heard about it because he felt that this was part of him going over there. Yes, I, th I believe that he could have used his coaching experience at any other Division II or smaller school or program to work his way up to get a Power 5 job like he did, but he chose to do it at HBCU for a reason. So when he says this and brings it to attention, I I I'm going to have a tendency to believe him. What do you got? Uh, the one player drafted is a drop-off from four in 2022, so 25% of that total. Um, with some simple math there. Uh, but there's also, Cal, and, and I'm glad that you kind of touched back on it in terms of your belief that there's just, a, you know, not every school deserves football programs, um, which makes it difficult to compete. Transfer portal, a lot of guys not even getting to put a lot of tape out there. Uh, but th uh, there was a point made after day one of this year's draft, and that was that in the first round through 31 picks, for the first time, I think, in the modern NFL era, 1965, um, it's the first time that all 31 players came from major conferences. So it's not like you've seen the mid-majors coming through Conference USA sneaking in. No, it's, it, the, it, it, it's the rich, right? It, it's the creme de la creme of the football college football programs and that's where uh teams are choosing to use their first round draft capital early and i granted there's seven more or six more rounds to draft hbcu players and mid-majors and uh F fcs guys but i think that it, it, it's just kind of a, a microcosm of of your uh philosophy there I'll have to respond to that when we get back. Um, I'll have to respond to that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's. Get a dose. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. 
Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 